Welcome to a special Farcast edition. In six years and nearly 300 episodes here on the Farcast, we've spoken with guests from all over the world, bringing you insight into what shapes our economic world. We feel this segment, recorded February 23rd, is one of the most important interviews Michael Farr has done, and we present this to you as a standalone episode. Dr. Jeffrey Lacker is the former president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond, Virginia, and his insights into the working of the FOMC are invaluable for investors and for anyone interested in economics. And so without further ado, from our February 23rd, 2023 taping, here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome back. But now, uh, as promised, uh, the great treat today, uh, we get to hear from our wonderful friend, Dr. Jeffrey Lacker, former president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond, Virginia, uh, an esteemed professor of economics. Uh, my God, is this man smart, and he's been inside the Fed. So welcome back, Dr. Lacker. We are so happy to hear you, see you, and have you with us again. Well, gee, it's great to be on, but uh, I don't know how I'm going to live up to that billing, Michael. So, uh. Well, yeah, really, look, do me a favor, Jeff, and say something smart today, will you? Uh, <laughs> I'll do my er best. Er everybody's, everybody's counting on you. All, All right. right. Uh, you know, I'm not going to give you the preamble and, and try to explain anything about my views on what's going on. The only <laughs> thing we care about are your views. Uh, what's going on with the economy? What's the Fed doing? And do we go into recession or not? Great question. Um, so the Fed's been catching up for a year and a half um, after sitting on its hands over the course of the winter of 2021-22. Uh, um, and they've gotten to a point where the, the interest rate that they want to get to is within sight. And they're now uh, entering sort of a different phase of policymaking. They were pretty coherent, pretty much on the same team last year. Um, they, they all knew they had to get higher um, by a lot. And so they, they marched up pretty uh, rapidly. Um, but now they're getting to a point where some people want to stop soon and some people don't think they need to stop soon or, or want to stop soon or ought to start st stop soon. So um, now there's a little more contention uh, visible within the committee. Uh, so at the last meeting, they reduced the rate of increases. They, they, they went up by 25 basis points. The meeting before that, they'd gone up by 50 basis points. Um, and the minutes of that meeting came out yesterday and revealed that uh, a few uh, people wanted to raise rates by 50. Now, we already knew the two people on the committee had wanted to go 50. They came out publicly. Loretta Mester, um, a great, great friend and uh, former colleague from the Cleveland Fed, and uh, Jim Bullard, friend, good friend and, and former colleague from the St. Louis Fed, both uh, said that they wanted to keep going 50 because they think they, the, the Fed needed to get higher and uh, they didn't see why wait, they should wait to get to where they ought to go. Um, so in Fed parlance, uh, when they say a few, they mean more than two. If, if it, the number is two, they say a couple. So if they say a few, they mean it's more than a couple. Uh, and that's, why, that's what most of the media coverage around uh, the minutes release yesterday afternoon was focused on. In addition, the, the uh, minutes contained uh, some language about financial market conditions, by which they mean sort of how, how high up, how far um, 
equity and bond prices had advanced in the month of January just before the meeting. Remember, the meeting was three weeks ago. And uh, their comments in there are guarded, as they always are in the minutes. But you can detect that they were somewhat peeved, that here they were tightening policy, trying to get dampen uh, economic uh, demand so that they can ease the pressure on inflation. And markets are going ebullient. Markets were pricing in them to cut interest rates later this year, which uh, they have worked hard in the last few weeks to disabuse people of. Um, and so the, you can detect the note of being peeved about it. So it, it was a sort of hawkish uh, set of minutes, um, a little bit more hawkish than the chairman's statements. Um, yeah, I think what they was up with that. Where did where did that disinflationary term show up a couple of times that sent the algorithms nuts? I mean, I... Is he, what is it, it? It's like he wants to deliver the same message more softly. But why did he get softer there? What's he trying to do? So it, it, it's it's undeniable that in the second half of the year, the headline inflation numbers on a month over month basis came down so that inflation was prices, the overall price level the was segment, going yeah. up at a slower rate in the second half than it was in the summer in the first half. So that's technically disinflation. But he, he put some emphasis on it that was a little odd um, at the uh, press conference. He said, disinflation is underway as if, you know, a truck is pulling out of the station. I mean, it's just the data's come in that way. And Shortly after the press conference, we got the consumer price index uh, numbers for January, and they were higher than expected. So the Jan December to January price increases, um, you know, kind of ticked up, and so th that was a big disappointment. I mean, that, would, and would, did the, did the Fed would the FOMC have that data before the meeting? No, no, they wouldn't. And so this is, the, I mean, this is the danger you get out and declare disinflation is underway as if it's some autonomous process. But, you know, the disinflation we saw at the end of last year was commodity prices, goods prices, where supply chain constraints have eased dramatically in the second half of the year. Things like autos um, and, uh, and the like. And the, that's not going to go on forever. I mean, uh, car prices can only go down by so much. And then on top of that, you know, you've got service sector, which is largely dependent on wages in terms of their cost inputs. And there, there's a substantial momentum. And the Chairman Powell noted this at the press conference last time. There's a substantial amount of momentum in about two thirds of the economy in terms of inflation. And so we just got a, a good, a, a some good results based on energy prices and and um, you know and some supply chain easing, but that's not going to go on forever. And and the expectation is that the infl the month on month inflation numbers or you know three month numbers are are good to look at. That's going to probably firm at about where it is now and maybe maybe firm up a little more. So they still have an inflation problem. Inflation is still elevated. It's still high. And they, they've still got to tighten policy. Well, uh, you know, I gave a speech at University of Delaware, my Delaware speech, which you were so kind to do twice uh, as Fed president at the University of Delaware, uh, really advancing the education that the Fed provides out 
to universities and to the public. Um, uh, Pat Harker was there, and he and I have become buddies over the years, even from when I think you gave a speech at the University of Delaware when Pat was president of University of Delaware. That's right. Um, That's right. Back in the day. So, uh, Pat, you know, we're, we're off camera, and we were talking about a couple of different things. He said three more quarter point hikes and we're just going to leave it there. I mean, we're not going to we're leaving. It's staying there for a while was number one. Uh, do you think that's still the right thing to do? Is that the still the consistent narrative coming from the Fed? And are we going to end up in recession here? Three more quarter point hikes would take the target range to five and a quarter to five and a half percent. Yes. yes. Um I doubt that's going to be successful. It might be successful if they're lucky, um, but I think it, if what they is, do that, it has to go higher. You're saying? I I think that I th I think it's going to need. They're going to need to go higher than that. I think if they do that and wait, I think they're going to see inflation doesn't come down. I think they're going to see they they're going to come to the conclusion later in the year in the fourth quarter that they got to go up again. So if they pause. They're going to have to, I think, go up higher. And I, I base that on past experience, on the, the historical run of data. And the, the thing to look at is, you know, how how high real interest rates have to go. That's, you know, interest rates adjusted for the rate of inflation. So yes. it's what you make on your, in you know, your fixed income investments after deducting a charge for compensating you for inflation. They've, so just, just let, let me just take one second sure. there. If inflation is running at 6% and you're earning 5% on your treasury bills, prices are going up six, you're earning five, you're still losing basically 1% in purchasing exactly power right. by sitting exactly in right. five months. Yeah. Okay, right. thank you. I, uh, sure. no. Sometimes this economic stuff uh, over <laughs> my head, and so therefore I know it goes over Fred and Ethel's head. Fred and Ethel were right there together, folks. All right. So recession, so, Jeff. Um, so I, 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 I think they're going to have to push interest rates up high enough to weaken demand, and it seems unlikely that they'll be able to weaken demand by just enough without tipping over into a recession. Um, when that comes, I don't know. Um, it, it sort of depends on their calls in the middle of the year. If they stick at five and a half, like, like your friend, President Parker suggests, uh, my former colleague, um, I, I think they're going to find inflation staying pretty firm. The un unemployment rates that, you know, the economy doing pretty well, not going to recession, but they're going to get dissatisfied with the fact that inflation hasn't come down and they're going to have to move interest rates up higher. I think they'll have to move them up to, you know, over six, six and a half, um, maybe even seven to get inflation down. Whoa, seven. Whoa. Oh, Could happen. I just, Could I, 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 I'm sorry. My, 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 my heart did a little more than skip a beat on that one, Dr. Wacker. Well, but let uh, me bring you back to real interest rates. So what they have done so far is bring real interest rates back to zero, which is where they started before the burst of inflation, before the before this inflationary surge at the beginning of yes, 2020. Yes. yes, interest rates were about zero, um, and uh, inflation was about one percent. 
So they've basically made up ground. They have not tightened policy. They have undone the easing of policy caused by the rise in inflation. Would, what would you be doing differently if you were Fed chairman right now? I'd be preparing markets for first. I'd, I'd corral the committee into going 50 next time. Uh, and I, I think I'd, I'd prepare markets for a more open-ended path this year. I'd, I'd try and tamp down expectations uh, that, you know, that we're going to, they're, they're going to sit at five and a half. I think that I think the other thing I would do is I would, I would point to history. I would point to the data and the wall street analysts and the media analysts would be all over it and say like, look, we had to raise real interest rates to 2% to get inflation down in the past. We're going to have to do that again, probably. So get ready for it. And, and I, I think by pointing to history, he can make it a, a less of a kind of a crapshoot month to month. I mean, what we're seeing now in market volatility has a lot to do with swings in expectations about what the Fed's doing. And that's the thing that, I, you know, I was worried about coming into this, that the Fed's not going to communicate enough or well enough. And they're going right. to they're going to it's going to be a rudderless ship out there. And people thinking, you know, is the does the the Fed think this porridge is too hot or too cold? Uh, and and uh, <clears throat> does does the Fed worry about uh, the strength of the stock market? I mean, when they're trying to try and yeah. cool things off, and and in the middle of uh, Jay Powell's speech, when they hear a word like disinflationary, and all of a yeah. sudden markets take off, is, is somebody paying attention to that? And does that concern? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, so the trace was there in the minutes. I mean, it's it's sort of uh, coded, but you could tell people were peeved that, that equity markets went up because it's just, it's cutting against what they want to do. They want to tighten financial conditions. They want to dampen demand, but all of a sudden equity markets go up. People feel a little happier and they start spending more. And you got, you know, we've gotten this great spending in, in January. We've gotten, we're going to get a report on, um, Friday about consumer spending in January, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they're, th that their tightening has any bite yet. It, it doesn't have, it's like pressing on the brakes and the, you know, you don't get anything, you know, this is a, this is a bit of a political conversation, but I don't, it didn't strike me as political with Pat Parker. Uh, he said, you know, this, um, a lot of this labor problem that we have, this labor shortage that we have, um, those folks who are looking for jobs, uh, five million fewer people looking for jobs than jobs opening right now, five and a half million, something like that. It's a ridiculous kind of a number. Uh, when, when you hear that this company or that company is laying off 10,000 or 12,000 or 18,000, what the hell difference does that make if you got five and a half million yeah. people? Gap jobs opening yeah. you know, at 12,000. So uh, he said this was a problem of our own creation. We shut down, we shut down immigration. Uh, and it's into the millions of people now and potential workers for lots of political reasons. And political reasons aside, we're a couple of million workers shy and it is a problem we can fix. Do you agree with that? And how would you go about addressing it in this politically charged environment? Yeah, so I, I agree. I sort of half agree, half don't. So um, I, I agree, you know, easing up on immigration restrictions would be a very good idea for the U.S. economy. 
Uh, data is pretty clear that immigrants are good for the economy, uh, good for the country. Uh, they bring skills, they bring energy. And given the shortage of labor, that's even another argument. Even without that shortage of labor, there'd be um, a good argument for easing immigration. Um, now, when he calls it the problem, that's the thing. So there's a lot of things that could ease. I may have put words in his. I may have put words in his mouth. Um, so it, it's not, immigration is one tool you could use to address it. But you know, the fundamental problem is that a bunch of people left the workforce and don't want to work. They used to want to work. They don't want to work. And it's it's big in the in the fifty to seventy year old age bracket. So yes. people withdrew during pandemic, found other things to do. The equity markets kind of helped them retire early, and there's it's kind of sticky. They're not coming back, and that is part of a longer run trend of the baby boomers retiring. But the it, the policymakers in early twenty twenty fundamentally underestimated. Um, that process. They, they fundamentally erred in thinking that we had a lot of slack in the economy and that they could stimulate, you know, till the, the cows come home. Okay, Jeff, uh, here's, here's my question. Um, uh, investors are desperate for this period of economic and market discomfort to be over with. Prior to every Fed meeting, there's some new narrative about, oh, did you see that point of datum? Or did you see this number? And here's why the Fed is going to change. Or did you hear what Jay Powell said in his speech in Africa? Because he sounded a little more dovish, and they're going to pause, and then they're going to pivot and start to ease rates by the end of the year. And then markets go up, you get to the Fed meeting, Jay Powell says, no, we're not. And we really, 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 really mean it this time. And that lasts for a couple of weeks and markets go down. Uh, this has been a long process getting into this. We went through a pandemic. The Fed threw everything at the markets and the economy, the economy that they could to keep the economy alive, and they were prepared to accept the consequences. It took us a while to get into this. They threw a lot of dynamite in. I've been saying this is going to take a long while to get out. What do you think? How long do we go through this period of discomfort? When will we be at that target two, two and a half percent? And when again would the Fed ever next ease? And when will the U.S. economy be expanding again? That's a great question, uh, Michael. I, I think it's it's inevitable for investors and the, the investing community to focus intently on each month's data because that's how you accumulate a, a bigger picture about what the economy is doing. I think it's also natural to focus intently on the Fed's intentions because they have a big role to play in how this plays out. But I don't see us getting down to the kind of steady state inflation near 2% growth um, before two or three years from now. And it, it could go on for longer. Um, I think that uh, the Fed has this choice about rip the Band-Aid off and, and take, the, take the pain up front. And um, But on the other hand, they like to get it over too. They'd like to get away with this as little harm to the economy as, as possible. And that that second urge is going to um, uh, seduce them, uh, is potentially going to seduce them, potentially lead them to not administer as much medicine as they need to, and as a result, draw out the process. Jay Powell's been very clear he doesn't want to do that. He wants to get this over with. Um, but I, you know, I fear it's going to be drawn out. But even if they go fast, it's going to be 
a recession. Recession will last a year, probably maybe start later this year if they if they were really aggressive with rate hikes this year. And we'd get back to low inflation maybe in 25 or 26. Um, but it's going to be at least that long. So I'd, I'd say, you know, buckle up. When does, the Fed, when does the Fed <clears throat> blink and say, geez, we're in this recession. We're still, recession feels horrible. The political pressure is heating up on the Fred, Fed. Uh, all of the voices from Congress are, Charlie Plosser said, they come out and the word is fragile. Just the, the word is fragile from Congress. Every damn time you go through this, it's too fragile for the Fed to be doing what they're doing. Uh, against all of that, you know, when we are in recession, will the Fed ease when we're in recession and say they've done enough and try to normalize rates at that point? Because stock market people will go uh, and, and buy everything they can as soon as they start to hear the Fed's going to be there for them. We've become addicted to the, to the Fed. Yeah, that's that's a big risk that and and it's what happened in the 70s and it's what made the 70s so painful. They would take their foot off the brakes when inflation had come partway down but not all the way and but unemployment was going up and they were under tremendous political pressure um to to uh bring the unemployment rate down. So you, Congress has been very mellow. I mean the unemployment rate's 3.5%. What do they have to complain about now? Um, but if if they tighten enough to reduce inflation, they're going to have to tighten enough to re to weaken the job market. And when the job market starts to weaken um, a little, historical evidence is that it sets off a process in which it weakens a fair amount and causes a recession. And when that happens, um, it's going to really test what Powell has said that that their commitment is to get inflation down, even if it's painful in the short run, because in the longer run, it's less painful. I learn so much every time we get to talk with you. I know our listeners do too. Thank you so much. I mean, thank you for being with us. And I hope you'll hang around just a few minutes afterwards. Dr. Jeffrey Lacker is the former president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond, Virginia, was a voting member on the Federal Open Market Committee that set rates these insights are precious, folks, and I'm telling you, you're not going to get them anywhere else. Thank you for listening to The Farcast another week. We will be back next week as we do our best to cover Wall Street, Washington, and the world, bringing you insights, information, and some of the smartest minds we can find. Thank you so much. I'm Michael Farr. We'll be back next week. Bye. Farr Miller in Washington is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA, and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. Farr Miller in Washington and Hightower Advisors, LLC, have not independently verified the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Farm Miller in Washington and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for the statements or errors or omissions or results obtained for the use of this information. Farm Miller in Washington and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to the information. This podcast and materials contained herein were created for informational purposes only. 
The opinions expressed are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC or any of its affiliates. Farr Miller in Washington and Hightower Advisors, LLC or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax or legal advice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions.